Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of single malt scotch, the San Antonio Cocktail Conference 2017, women's rights, Trump, Chicago, LA, lots to talk about. And this great chat with Akintoshin single malt whiskey, US brand ambassador, Robin Nance. You know, Robin is someone that I did not know before this chat, and I felt I learned so much about her as an artist, so much about her as a person. But really, right now, it's a very contentious state in America. So to speak, lots of people finding ways to separate each other and finding ways to marginalize other races, other sexes. Feels like misogyny is kind of all around us. And it's great to have someone like Robin, who is such a respected authority in whiskey and such a great mind in the game, talking about these things, talking about sexism, talking about women being harassed behind the bar. So I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Robin Nance. Great. Yeah. Uh, this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. So I look so cool. very forward to this. Um, and it's a great way to kind of kick off the year. Yeah, that's a good point. I, yeah. just, I always forget like, oh yeah, 2017 just started. Oh, yeah. Shit. San Antonio is an interesting place for this too. Yes. How do you feel about just like the vibe of San Antonio? I, I love it here. Yeah. Um, it's such a beautiful sort of tourist destination. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Riverwalk... I, just, I feel like no matter how crowded it is, I walk down the river walk and I'm just like, oh, I'm so calm. It's so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's funny. It, it was specifically constructed to be like a thoroughfare kind of for foot traffic. Right. And yet somehow it still feels like nature. Yeah. It's yeah. weird, isn't it? It's great. I love it. Um, yeah. And I mean, I love this city. I think having kind of come to my first San Antonio cocktail conference early on, yeah. um, this was actually one of the first events I did on my own oh, after no I became an ambassador. Uh, and I came and I didn't know anybody at the time. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. And uh, I've really just sort of grown. It's family to me now. It's like it's, coming home. So. It is. Tech, it, there's a thing about Texas, too. Yes. You know, I'm mean, at the industry, of course. But Texas has its own, like, real tight-knit social yeah. S- circle. Yeah. But at least it's not so clicky where you can't get in. True. You know what I mean? Very true. But Very it's been true. crazy to watch. I mean, even just in the past year, this – the the city grow, yeah. the cocktail culture grow, the bar community grow. It's I mean, profound. there's some really incredible stuff happening it, there. It so. really is. And we both know you, you have a very decorated history in this industry. You've worked behind the bar. You've worked for restaurant groups as a whiskey ambassador now with Akintoshin. But I, I think it's interesting because I love the pictures now, the creeper journalistic side of me, right? This is the great thing. It's like, <laughs> there's a lot of info out there about people, which is great. Yes. But I love the pictures that you the take back Thursday. Oh, yes. Pictures that you point. Because I'm like, wait, that's that's a different, like, era of living. This is, like, the 80s. Into is, yeah, that's a long time ago. 90s. <laughs> so where does this all start? Are you – so I'm trying to paint the narrative a little bit, but you you grew up in Georgia? Is that right? Yes. So my my 
childhood was split between Southern Ohio oh, and Southern, where in Ohio? Uh, Chillicothe. Okay. So my family's from Huntington, West Virginia area. Yeah. So like Southern, like the, the tri-state area, they call uh, it. Ah, nice. Yeah. Uh, and I lived in Chillicothe from th- about three years old until halfway through my eighth grade year. Yeah. And then moved to Georgia oh, and man. graduated high school in Georgia. That's a tough move. Eighth grade, I did that. Well, it, yeah. seventh grade, but. It's tough. What was the impetus for the family moving? Uh, My stepfather was working for Goodyear and got a job with a nuclear power plant in Georgia. And it was a really great opportunity for him. So we moved. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. Dad's job. That's what happened. Exactly. Was the pace of life a bit different in Georgia than Ohio? It was was different. The pace wasn't necessarily different. Um, it was, it was just a very, it was a very different world. Yeah. Um, and it was hard at first. I mean, I lived in Ohio up until, you know, feel like you feel like you're an adult in eighth grade. Like everything, (laughs) like everything is the most important thing ever. Exactly. My whole life is ending. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I ended up making great friends. I, I went to four high schools, so I I moved a lot in those later high school years. Um, so I had, I had some good friends. It kind of got me through, but I, I never really had like that sort of like core high school group. Yeah. Um, what about a, a core uh, talent or a core hobby that, that really helped you move those things along or transition? I did a lot of dance. Really? What um, kind of dance? Whatever I could kind of get away with in the living room, Yeah. basically. <laughs> Uh, I was obsessed with Flashdance. Um, I love that movie. Yes. I, I, my nickname since sixth grade has been Flashdance Nance. Oh, I love it. That's your Twitter <laughs> handle too, I believe. It is. That's, yes. a, that's a hell of a nickname. Though, yeah, really. I, and, it's, and it's stuck for this long. Yeah. Flashdance. Beals has not aged though either. No, she think. looks incredible. It's insane. I know. I'm like, I saw her in, in something not too long ago. I was like, you look amazing. You I, look this, yeah. She's gorgeous. She's, yeah, all right. She's yeah. gorgeous. So, well, that makes some sense. Flash yeah. dance at that really incredible soundtrack too. I love uh, that. the I yes. love that one of the best of the eighties movies. Maniac, really, really. <laughs> anyway, I'm not, don't get me started. <laughs> on, like, I'm gonna start singing "What a Feeling." And, exactly. And we'll get up, we'll dance on yeah, the floor together. And I will, <laughs> you will laugh profoundly at how terrible <laughs> I dance. So, it makes some sense. Some dance. Were you ever doing? Were you an English person? Were you a science person? Uh, definitely I science. I always really loved science. I was a huge history nerd I, yeah. I loved that um i actually and it's funny because i've completely fallen out of this but i used to sew a lot did you really yeah i uh i my senior year i had already gotten all the credits i needed so i had like extra. an extra class yeah, i was yeah. like i'll take home ec twice um so that's i made my mama suit <laughs> was it a was pant suit please hideous. oh it's amazing it was hideous. polyester please. it was like eggplant purple oh, it was not God. good the sewing was great but yeah. the suit was horrendous well did you i mean Giving maybe you had like a natural talent for sewing. Did you ever take it any further than that? It was just kind of a hobby. No, it was just kind of a hobby. Yeah, yeah I mean, you I th- were gonna bank on dancing. That's well, yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna be Jennifer Beals. Of if course. they ever did the remake, it was gonna be me. Yeah, that didn't happen. Um, yeah, no, I know. I always I, I I think I I really like a lot of things, yeah. and I I would always try and be really good at the, a lot of different things, um, but. Ultimately, I would say the one thing that I was really drawn to that has stuck mm. kind of through life is photography. I was always, re- I loved, I was obsessed with cameras um, and always loved photography. And so that's something I still, to this day, try and dabble in. And obviously, Instagram yeah. makes that a lot easier from it does. my phone. Do you miss, <laughs> so let's go back to the analog days. Right? Yeah. Because the abilities for photography are just so incredible now technologically, but yeah. you do get removed. 
from that process. How do you I feel about that shift? I still shoot film. Oh, you do? I do. That's yeah, incredible. I actually love film. Oh, yeah, um, I like I like the surprise from film. Like you never really know what you're gonna get. Yeah. And I feel like when you're shooting film, there's a moment where you're shooting and you know you've gotten a shot. Yeah. Uh, but you don't know what it looks like. Oh, and I love that. I love that feeling. So it's like a one take kind of thing. Yeah. You know exactly. I mean? Yeah. Did you, did you ever see the life of Secret Life of Walter Mitty? No, you, you know what? I haven't it. seen that. I will. There's a, a moment where Sean Penn is doing exactly that thing. And instead of taking the picture because he doesn't want to remember it, he wants to remember it here. Yeah. It's a real, so the film, it's still very romantic. And mm-hmm. Is it hard to get film now? It is a um, music there, sense, are, there are places you can buy. Like, uh, there's a couple of websites where you can buy it. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch that I stocked away that's in, I have a drawer in my refrigerator that's oh, good. dedicated so to film. So you'll have it. You'll yeah. have it around. <laughs> What kinds of things do you like to shoot typically? People, places? Um, I, I, I really love uh, the journalistic style, just hmm. sort of life. Yeah. Um, I, I, shot a, I shot a lot of uh, a, like series of homeless people on the street, like oh, wow. get, sitting down with them and finding out their story. And so I did a lot of that for a long time. Where, it, was this still in Georgia or had you? Uh, California. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in California at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I think just really interesting things. I love shapes and uh, architecture yeah. but i like really interesting faces interesting who who of someone that we would consider famous god forbid do you think has an interesting face mm, that's a really good question i'm trying to think there's so many yeah i like faces that tell a story of their life <laughs> like harry dean stanton Her- harry dean stanton's <laughs> actually a great example and it's funny because my one of my first restaurant jobs in california he was a regular and he played every monday night oh my god so it's really funny that you him did, did you ever talk to him? Yeah, he's amazing. He's he is fascinating. I just want to, like, hey, can I have 20 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's get some whiskey and let's just talk about a few things. Like, he's one of those kinds of commanding presence, but always seems so accessible. But yes. to your point, yeah. he's wearing it on yeah. his face, you know. I think Sean Penn does, too, actually. Oh, I'd agree with that. You know, I don't Absolutely. know. If, do you think that that what's revealing in someone's face is the weathering or is it something else? Because you can, you know, as we age, like, right. it tells a story, too. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I feel like you you wear your life on your face, yeah. um, whether it tells the obvious story, but I think you can look at somebody and just sort of see a little bit of their past. Yeah. It's it's fascinating to me. I it love is. people watching, uh, and I think that's one of the things that I loved about photography and one of the things I love about film, yeah. especially black and white. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a... If, if you take the time to pay attention, I think you can learn a lot about somebody from their face. With what's not said. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I think it's an interesting thing. I think we lose a lot of that because it's so techno forward and everybody wants everything all the time. But yeah. Nobody looks at anybody's face anymore. They're always looking at a phone. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're right, actually. <laughs> I didn't even think about that part of it. Well, maybe they looked at me. They would tell that I'm uh, very old. No. <laughs> so what was the move like? You've got this distinct chapter it seems like a creative one where you're moving to LA specifically. Yes. Why LA was, did you make that decision? The actressing fit? There's a, there's sort of a, there's a a story behind that. Um, I had been traveling the world. Yeah. Very luckily. Um, I, and I had lived in a lot of countries and a lot of places and a lot of cities. And at the time I I landed in New York um, for probably the fourth or fifth time that I had lived there. Mm -hmm. And, it was August and it was really hot yeah. and I, 
New York then was a very different New York, yeah. and it was a hard, hard, harder city to live in than I think it is today. Sure. But in in the like, I look back on it now, and I'm super nostalgic for those times because yeah. it was amazing. It's not like it's a, this place that will never be that way again, right? Ever and much you, like the photograph. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and I was living with uh, a friend of mine, and she had started dating somebody that lived in California, and we were both like, "Let's get out of here." And so we basically like slowly moved our way across country and, and moved to LA. Better and weather. I just never, I mean, I was there for 20 years. It, oh my gosh, really? It, yeah, I, I was trying to leave most of them, Yeah, but I never got, never got, I, around I never got out. So, What were you doing when you talk about traveling and you ended up in New York a couple of different times? Were you shooting? Was that you yeah. making money as a photographer? Uh, no, actually. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish it had been a Trick photographer. question, was it? Yeah. I know. Um, no, I, uh, I, while I was still in high school, I was lucky enough to be signed by a modeling agency. Oh, no kidding. And did that for a while. I I transitioned into acting when I was about 26. Wow. Okay, uh, so a little bit later then. Well, I mean, I, in modeling years, I was ancient at that point, wow. so I had to had to make a move. Vers- um, versa, what is it called? Uh, diversify. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, but I mean, the obvious choice was to, to move into acting. Yeah. I loved comedy, and so I did some improv, and I did stand-up for a while. Oh, and. Cool. Was lucky enough to to book some some pretty cool stuff. Well, a couple and questions about that because I, l- I love this. Sure. This is all really really interesting stuff to me. I've never been a model. I'm just a, <laughs> <laughs> frankly I'm too hairy and too short. That. I don't believe that for one second. <laughs> Everybody would believe that. I promise you. I assure you. What is it? so being a young woman that is subject almost I would imagine daily. You're being sold as an object, right? And yes. I I recall a couple posts where you kind of. I don't know if you're wrestling with this or whatnot, but how did, were you aware of what that feels like as a young woman to be objectified and sexualized and all of that? I think that you, you're you not unaware of it, but at, at that age, the minute you become aware of it, it it's that bad. I mean, I came from a single-parent home. Yeah. There was no way I was going to college. Like it just That wasn't in the cards. Right. And so it was like, great, what do I do? And all of a sudden, these people come up and they go, hey, or, here, we'll send you all around the world and you'll make money and take pictures. And you're like, oh, okay, sure. yes, yeah, where do I sign? Um, and there is, there is a very dark side to that world. Um, it's, it's hard and there, there are many challenges. There's the you know, staying thin. There's the avoiding drugs and alcohol, which oddly enough, I somehow managed. Which do keep you thin, so it's even harder. Yeah, exactly. Um, So you know, there there were a lot of a lot of battles um, and some some pretty dark times. Um, But I think I think the industry as a whole is getting better. Um, But it it's I mean, as an as an adult feminist woman who who now looks back and goes, I cannot believe I I, like I allowed my sixteen year old self to be subject to some of those things. Right. Um, I think now you just, I, I hope more people from that industry stand up and have a voice mm-hmm. and, and share that information so that more girls, I, I, I don't think the industry should go away. Right. I do think it should become more real. Um, I think that the images that we see aren't realistic. Oh, but, absolutely not. Yeah. So I feel like the, the battle's being fought and it's getting better and better. And I think, you know, hopefully 10 years down the road, you'll open a, a "Quote unquote fashion magazine." If magazines are even still around, hard to say, right? <laughs> it's very hard to say. Um, but I think you'll start seeing more and more people that look 
like we look yeah. as opposed to these completely unattainable. Thin, yeah. yeah. It's a weird aesthetic for me. I don't yeah. quite appreciate it. Do you think, though, having went through that and having really being, you're a woman at the forefront of this industry, you know, at least from my interpretation as a Thank you. dude, right? Do you feel a larger responsibility because you have a larger platform, really, if you think about it? I think you have a very great reputation. Is there any obligation that you feel internally to make sure that women understand what these situations kind of look like and that they need to talk about them? I, I For me, yeah. I feel like I need to do that, but I think I do that for me. Not it's. I, I hope that I can have a voice and help someone, even if it's one person that silently hears something. Um, it's not for everybody. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with not talking about that. I... I think I just I like to be very open. Mm. Um, I like for people to know who I am. Yeah. Um, I think it's important for me to share those stories. Um, I've I've had a lot of people come to me and and say thank you for sharing that. And a lot of it has been self healing. It was never intended to be this. Hey, you know, let me help you or let me talk about right, this. Right. It was really just me needing to put it out there you know sometimes you just have to write it out and and get it out into the universe and that's you know social media gives us that platform and that was what worked for me and and it's helped a lot it's uh, honestly like just getting it off your chest sometimes just saying it out loud whether it be typing it out loud or or saying the words i i I think it's important i mean not everybody's ready to share their story i don't think so yeah you're right i mean you know it's interesting these kinds of conversations with people there's there's varying levels of transparency there's varying levels of hurt, and I we have to say there's some psychological element to like talking to somebody at the, like in this kind of way and in a very very personal way. But some people are really open; they're ready f- to get it out there. Yeah. And some people are not. And I, so you're right; it takes all kinds. Yeah. So how long before the the journey or that career in modeling and acting and stand up was the hospitality shift, was that happening at the same time to make money or was it like a hard shift into that industry? I always had kind of one foot in that industry um, when I first moved to New York. So my my very first job was, uh, I was a shot girl (laughs) (laughs) Uh, at the Gold Club in Atlanta, Georgia. It Um, sounds, is it it as bad as it sounds? Well, it's a strip club. (laughs) Is it as strippy as it sounds? It's it's exactly as strippy as it sounds. Um, But it it was at the time when you could work, you could serve liquor at 18. um, And I made great money and it allowed me to, because as much as everyone would like to believe that the modeling industry makes thousands and tens of thousands of dollars, you don't. I mean, you might make tens of thousands of dollars for two months, and right. then you might make no money for the rest. That's crazy. So I always sort of supplemented my income by, you know, I, it was waitressing for a very long time. I was a hostess at a restaurant in New York for a while. Yeah. And uh, I once I moved to L.A., I, I became very fascinated with bartending, and I would just pay attention. Like, I would come up and order my drinks, and I would just watch them yeah. every step make stuff. And one night, a bartender didn't show up, and the manager came out, and he's like, you ready? Let's do this. Let's do it. And I never came back out from behind the bar. That's incredible. <laughs> what, what year are we talking when you kind of first started doing that? The bartending would have been probably 94-ish, wow. 95-ish. It is, prof- is it safe to say it's a profoundly different industry now? Um, yes. <laughs> different the, worlds? The advice I was given on that shift was, when in doubt, make it red. <laughs> I don't think that advice plays in today's cocktail. <laughs> no, it's blue or green now. Yeah, yeah. totally. Different, just different colors. 
That's, yeah. oh, that's funny. I like that. I And I would imagine the red wasn't Campari. No, no. I believe it would have been cranberry juice from the gun Ooh. or grenadine and not house-made grenadine. Oh, God. Good old... Syrup uh, factory. Yeah, yeah, friend to Rose's Lime grenadine. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's a different time. I mean, people are different now. I mean, how... It's got to be interesting for you to have seen this thing, this like kind of weird thing, cocktail culture evolve. Yes. And turn bartending into a, a lucrative career. Absolutely. Did you ever see that coming back then? No. I, I think it's fascinating, though, that it, it took the turn in cocktail culture yeah. for bartending to be considered a lucrative career because it was a very lucrative career. Oh, it's a good point. Yeah. Prior. Yeah. It just no one was paying attention to it because we were, just, you know, we were all just in nightclubs slinging, yeah. you know, whatever. But I think I, I love that. I love that it is now looked at as a very respectable career. Cause That's it, the it, thing. It's yeah. an incredibly respect, respectable career. I think um, the knowledge part of it, right? I, and especially now, I mean, the bartenders that I meet, the amount of knowledge that they hold mm. and the passion and the hunger for more of that knowledge. Yeah. I mean, where are you putting all of this? Are there secret pockets that you can buy for your right, brain? Totally. Like, where is this coming from? Um, and it's great for me because it, it drives me to to be more knowledgeable and be better and and you know because I'm not behind the bar anymore, yeah. so I'm I'm not in it every night. So I have to you know I have to force myself to like sit down with books and listen to podcasts keep, and, to, and, to and keep up keep, to date. Right? Exactly. So, That's how technology. Like my dad's like that with technology. Yeah. He new new OS is out. He's like I gotta get it because I gotta learn how to use it. This exactly. is business today. This is how this industry works. And yeah. Knowledge is a very amazing thing. And I think some people uh, ignore that it, it's out there. Yeah. With the rise, there's a little bit of a tangent, but with the rise of bartending culture becoming something that is respected as a career, do you think that conversely that star tending and people doing it just to take advantage of that attention that is on the industry, do you feel like that's on the rise as well? I th- this is twofold for me. Mm. So I think I don't think there's anything wrong with gaining notoriety out of your career. Yeah. I think we as a as a human race all desire um, to be applauded on sure. some level, yeah. no matter what you do. I mean, pat you, me you, on the back, please. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think if you do the work and you get there the right way, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that there. There's a weird kind of culture that I'm seeing where people are talking about branding themselves. It's like, how do I create my brand? And yeah. how do I? And I, I don't. It's it's not necessarily. I don't want to knock anybody, but I think that that's become more important. Mm. It's like, what's my brand as opposed to just? I think being yourself is the most important thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what people are going to be drawn to. If you create something that's not real because yeah. you're trying to create a brand, eventually the gloss wears off that. Right. And so you can be a brand, like you can create your own brand, but there it has to be based in reality. Sure. Just like in stand-up we learn. You, you can do stand-up and tell jokes, but there has to be, the joke has to be rooted in reality. Right. Or it's not going to be funny over a period of time. And if you look at some of the great comedians – they're talking about really painful parts of their oh, life. Yeah, absolutely. But in a really humorous way. But you laugh because you know that it's real. They're letting you into a piece of them. Because they're I, uh, vulnerability. 
Exactly. Right. That's the key. Absolutely. Louis and C.K. is a very self-deprecating piece of shit, right? Yes. I like him, but... He's, no, he's he great. Yeah. He's, I think he's one of the best people out there. Yeah, but, that's, um, but you're right. And it's only because we think we know him because he's like telling us these personal yeah. things. He opens the door a little and goes, yeah. look, there's stuff. This is, this is who I am in here. And I think, it, I think no matter what you do, that's important. I think so, too. I can't imagine all the different types of liquors that you've poured, all the different kinds of trends that you've seen... Can you think of, rather, was there one spirit category, and I think I know the answer, that you were truly drawn to over time? Uh, well, obviously, <laughs> I was very, very drawn Drum to, roll. Yeah, I know, right? to, uh, to single malt scotch. Yeah. Um, I, when I was still living in L.A., I was a director of operations for a restaurant group. Mm. Uh, actually, it was a restaurant person. <laughs> it was okay. one person. Yeah. Uh, and we opened several different concepts over the five years that I spent working for him. But there was one that I took a very personal interest in yeah. and, and I was very, very involved. Uh, and sadly it just recently closed. Oh, man. Um, but it was called Rosewood Tavern and it was uh, scotch craft beer and steak. Amazing. And it was just really great venue, but buying the, the scotch to fill those shelves, I just became fascinated. So much, right? So, so much to learn. There's yeah. so many. And I was an Irish whiskey drinker. Yeah. And so obviously it was a natural evolution for me to move to scotch. But as I started learning about it and, you know, tasting through it and doing trainings with the staff, and mm. it, I just, there was just something there and I latched onto it and I, I fell in love. And, and obviously, you know, Seemed to work out. There, there were there were favorites, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which oh, ultimately worked out really well for me. <laughs> which is a great thing. Yeah, it was great. Well, you know, when I, I think about booze, and we're kind of both in different elements of it, but was it a thing when you were growing up? Did was there safe drinking and like kind of responsible drinking? Was it even around? Uh, not really. Like my mom never really drank. I mean, mm. every now and then she'd go out with her girlfriend, stuff like a margarita. Sure, sure. Um, but it wasn't something that was in our house. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really drink in high school. I think I, I got drunk with my friends one time in high school. It's a totally self-discovery thing. Yeah. That's great, yeah. Yeah. Because you have a good kind of like a positive relationship of learning with it. Absolutely. Can you think about, like in terms of flavor and things, what you were drawn to about scotches single malts particularly i i really i think i love what happens with barley like the base of i love barley i love spirits have barley in them that's made from them um and i the i mean there are hundreds and hundreds of scotches out there and and they're all so different they have such such Sometimes subtle, sometimes much bigger than that differences, yeah. and it's just so fun to like travel through that. I mean, it's one of these places where everybody's making the spirit from the same three ingredients, right? And it's profoundly different, and yeah. they're profoundly different. And I was mesmerized by that. I'm like, so cool. wait, I don't understand. How are they doing this? Yeah. And then as you start learning what they do to make those differences, I just my brain was like, yes, tell me more. It's it's funny if you think about uh, photography. Mm-hmm. You hand the same device to two different people, and you get incredibly different results. You know? Absolutely. So, how long was it before you shifted into an ambassador role, like? finally stepping out from behind the bar into traveling the world talking about whiskey i presume i don't know but yes i feel like my life came full circle i traveled the world for a long time and then sat still and then traveled the world again that's a wonderful way to look at it it's yeah. continuum. <laughs> um so i i left my my position with that gentleman that i was working for yeah. and i um 
my dear friend, Johnny Mundell, who mm. is now our Centauri whiskey ambassador on the West Coast, um, who I met on opening night of Rosewood Tavern. Oh, nice. Uh, and we, we've been friends ever since. But he, I, I left to open a tequila bar, which he likes to call my Bobby Ewing years. Bobby Ewing? Yeah. Okay. He's, like, he's like, we all thought you were dead, but you turned up in Chicago later, and we realized you had just been in the shower the whole time. Um, <laughs> and now we're all real disappointed with you. Uh, exactly, do it over. Exactly. Do it over. Yeah. Uh, so did that for a while and then just woke up one day and was like, I, I got to go. Yeah. I, I've had my time in L.A. It's time to go and packed up everything and moved to Chicago. Why Chicago? Uh, not that it's not great, but. Yeah, it's, I kind of picked three cities and was like, maybe these three. And a friend of mine, my best friend, yeah. had moved from L.A. to she was from that area so she moved back to Chicago and I just missed her and I, for my birthday that year I was like I'm coming to visit you so cool. and maybe move yeah and I got there and within 24 hours I was like yep it's happening went back gave like a month notice at my job and packed up and moved and I would say maybe four months after that Johnny called me and said hey would you want to do what I do mm. And I was like, what exactly do you do? Because <laughs> I, I was like, I know you're an ambassador, but I don't know what the that age means. Age old question. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I, I interviewed and um, did not get the job. Oh, yeah. Really? Yes. Did not get the job the first time. Um, and then it turned out the, the other person they hired, I think they got it, another offer to do something that they were more passionate about. Yeah. And they called me back and they were like, hey, do you want to come back? And that was four years ago. That's incredible. So only four years. This yeah. Recent chapter. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great. I mean, you feel like your ability to do stand up, your ability to capture the world, to travel. Do you think that prepared you pretty well for this kind of role? I I definitely think having sort of a public speaking background helps a lot. Yeah. I still get petrified really? every time. It yes. I my the thing I I always say is. The minute I'm not nervous, I feel like that's when the passion's faded. Oh, I no. feel like anything you're really passionate about, you want to be good every time, no matter how many people are in the room, no matter how, who you're talking Absolutely. to. And so I think the day that I'm not nervous is, is the day that I will get I nervous like about losing my passion. Because so. anxiety is, we, we feel it's a, it has such a negative connotation most of the time, but it is a positive thing too. It drives Absolutely. us to, to perform. You yeah. Know? Do you think that, so it's, it's, there's so many things, like so many different ways to take this chat and scotch is an interesting one so this recent chapter with akintoshin which is one of the greatest words i've ever heard <laughs> it's just fun to say it is fun to say you know? <laughs> and how did you kind of rather give me because i haven't had much of it as a guy who likes whiskey mm -hmm. bring me into it say like this is what mike this is what you might like about akintoshin the thing that's beautiful about Akintoshin is Toshin, that, yeah, either Toshin, Toshin. I'm just overpronouncing. As it. long as you drink it, we don't care. <laughs> um, the thing that is really beautiful about it is it, it's a great beginning of the Scotch journey for people. Yeah. Um, even today, as as popular as whiskey is, and as many people that are, you know, even consumers are so educated and excited about the world of whiskey, there's still that sort of dark cloud of all scotch is super smoky and peaty and oh, heavy. Sure. Like um, mezcal too, right? Like exactly. Total misconception. Um, and it's not, and Akintoshin I think is a really great, it's one of the really great examples of that. Yeah. Um, because it's triple distilled, it's just a really delicate, easy drinking spirit. Um, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. It's like, put it in cocktails, play with it. Yeah. 
Um, we're one of one of the people that have been doing non-age statements since the 90s. Um, Head of the curve on that one. Sorry? Head of the curve on that one. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's crazy because age statements are sort of this weird, like, thing that happened in the 50s. Yeah. Um, and now I think with the popularity, you're seeing them move more and more away from it. Um, and there's really, really beautiful young whiskey out there. Oh, it's absolutely. Incredible. I mean, there, I've, I've had some five-year-old scotch that I was like, oh, this is incredible. Totally. Um, so I think for me with Akintoshin, it, it definitely is a really great way. I've, I've been able to enjoy watching people who are really afraid of scotch mm. try it and go, this is scotch? And, and I think that's a really great thing. So it's a really nice, what's, what's the word, kind of a, not beginner scotch, I'm sure it's complex, but it's a gateway scotch. Yes. Maybe getting you thinking about it. Yes, we like to call it the gateway drug for scotch haters. The gateway drug for <laughs> scotch haters. We all need a gateway drug, I think. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's funny too, you talk about age statements, and I know a lot of people talk about this in bourbon-centric or whiskey-centric podcasts, all that shit, but I see like an interesting similarity between that and modeling, actually. So let me let me paint this out and see, yeah. what, see what you think. So an age statement. So you immediately see this thing that's on a bottle, and you're like, I'm already judging it, right? So you take it away, and then all all of a sudden, oh, I don't, I'm not. It's not good, right? It's yeah. got to be old to be good. It's got to be skinny to be good. It's really like a similar kind of superficiality about this stuff. So true. You it's know? very true. Yeah. Do you think that? that is a big hurdle to overcome with people where they just, it's not, how old is it? How, how many times do people ask you that damn question? A lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot. I think, I think it's getting better. I think it's going to take a very long time to, especially the like traditional whiskey drinking population. Yeah. You know, those people that go to whiskey fests and are like really into that whole age statement. Mm-hmm sort of mentality I, it's going to take a while to shift yeah. i think the more and the more and the better non-age statement whiskeys that come out um it becomes a little easier it is it's i mean it's very hard to convince someone when you're standing at a table and there's an age statement on the table to right. try the one that doesn't have an age statement yeah it's true but i like to do some blind tastings and i like to mix them up sometimes yeah. like put the non-age statement in front of the age statement and give them that one and they'll be like this is amazing i'm like ha ha sucker that's not the right one <laughs> um so that, that's good brain, yeah brain games are good yeah you have to kind of like bring people into these conclusions a little bit differently you know here's an interesting thing i talked to a bunch of people in the whiskey industry and there aren't so many people that are rock stars. Like Jimmy Russell's a rock star. People revere him. So you being kind of an icon in whiskey, a woman icon specifically in whiskey, do you get fanboys? Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I don't know. I just, you know, because when you're talking about these festivals, which are amazing things, but you got these guys with their suits. They're like, well, it's got to be this way, and I only drink it this way, and blah, blah, blah. So how... Their tastes are so discerning. I might think that they'd be like, "Well, this is this is Robin Nance. She's blah 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 blah. I'm, she's on this and this. That, that that's how particular they get too." I will actually say it's the opposite of that. Oh, really? It is getting better, um, but there it's it's very challenging to be a woman in that world. Yeah. Um, if if I'm if I'm at a at a whiskey fest and I'm standing next to a man, mm. they will go to the man. Oh man. Um. It's getting better. It's yeah. definitely get. There are incredible 
incredible women in the whiskey industry. Oh, absolutely. People that I, I'm so admirable. You know, like I, it just, there are so many women to look up to and yeah. that I've learned from and that I'm impressed by. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's sometimes a hard, hard mentality to change. I mean, it happens to women behind the bar oh, at the same time. Um, I think probably within the, the industry, within the bar industry and sort of our cocktail culture world, yeah. um, people know who I am more so than outside of that. Yeah, um, yeah I don't Not know. Yet, like, I, don't, like, I don't think I pay attention to that. Or yeah, no. And maybe no. I'm just like picking up on something that, that I think will start to happen because the celebrity is such a, we're just obsessed with that. Being a celebrity, YouTube views or whatnot, yeah. listeners, huh? <laughs> and the people in whiskey because it is—it's almost fetishized, you know. Those Pappy Van Winkles and those McAllen twenty-eight years, well, all this stuff, and I just think it's the next step that those ambassadors and those people then become icons in themselves, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I think I know for myself and and like Johnny on our team and and a handful of others. I think. We just really, scotch is one of those things that's very polarizing. There are people that really love it and there are people that are really afraid of it. And I think for us, it ultimately is, it's just that we just want everybody to like it. Not us. We don't care about us. We just want everybody to like scotch. Um, So I think it's less about that for us than, than just educating and getting people really excited about something we love and we're really passionate about. Of all the, so how many, you, you, I call them skews, marks, however you want to mm-hmm. say it. Yep. How many Akintoshan skews are there? Available in the United States currently, yeah. there are six. Six, wow. Yes. Six. What is the, I, I don't, I, favorite's the, the worst word to use. What's the sleeper of the bunch? The one that is so surprising and really, really charming. Gosh, that's such a hard question to ask. Which is so, your favorite kid? No. Um, I, I actually do have a favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody tells you they don't, they're lying. Um, no, I God, I like them all for so many different reasons. Yeah. Um, I will say I, I have a very emotional attachment to Three Wood. Okay. Um, because it, it really is ultimately how I ended up getting this job, and I yeah. love this job so much. Um, and it was because Johnny was sitting at my bar and the bottle kept going across the bar. And he yeah. was like, who are you? No one knows who Akintoshan is. Why are you pouring bottles of it in front of me? Uh, and that's ultimately what led to him that's suggesting me for the job. So I definitely love it. But I, I really do. I love all of the Akintoshans for different reasons. Mm. I love all of the scotches for different reasons. I mean, all of them. I, I There are so many... You know, we have Glengarry in our portfolio, yeah. which is really a sleeper. I mean, so few people know it, and it's really beautiful. And then, you know, we've got Beaumont and Lefroig. So it's really hard to say. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's great stuff. Good team, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not bad. It's all right. I, got, I have some good choices. You've got a lot of good choices. <laughs> it's not terrible. So when you talk about this kind of mix, so you're traveling, you're really still working with art, because whiskey is absolutely art. It's creativity. It's all these time and place kind of things, like the photography. Not a huge dissimilar. It's not too disparate. I think that the two sides of you, in this case, it feels like they really merged. You know. Yeah. So when it comes to the artistic piece, the photography, you think that's ever going to take over and be the single job, the single occupation for you? It was very briefly when I was in California. I think 
the problem, not the problem, it's, that makes it sound like a negative and it's not a negative. Um, a lot of the people in this world are very creative, mm-hmm. but we're also so passionate about being creative that it's, it's like, I want to do the best at everything that I'm passionate about. Yeah. And I think as much as it would be great to do photography as a job, I think it would be an incredible job. I don't have hobbies because I just get really passionate and I'm like, I'm going to do this. All in kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's kind of nice to go, you know what? No, photography is going to be my hobby. Wow. Set some parameters, some guidelines. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this is my career. I, I, this is the, the place where I feel the most comfortable and I love the world that I'm in and I'm excited to see how it evolves. So yeah. I think career is whiskey and hobby is photography. It's a good line to draw. Some people, they, they don't understand that. <laughs> it's hard. It is. You can put your foot down about some things. Yeah. Tinkering in a studio with a keyboard does not I make a career. I can only imagine. It's not that way. Well, so I've got one other question for you. Mm-hmm. Then you've got some probably some other San Antonio festivities to partake in. But I'm really interested, and I've been asking this question lately. I'm mean, eventually I'll stop prefacing it. But you're at your favorite bar, mm-hmm. sipping your favorite whatever whiskey, tree wood, whatever it could be, and anybody living or dead could be sitting next to you just to have a chat with. Who would you love to exchange a chat with over a nice whiskey? I ask myself this question all the time, and it's so hard. It is hard. I it's I would say it's a pretty solid tie between Nina Simone mm. and Jeff Buckley. Oh man, you don't want to give Buckley booze though; he'll kill himself well, all over again. Maybe I'm he kidding. maybe he could have a club soda. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's fair. Oh man, yeah, it would be really. He seemed seemed like such a tortured guy. Yeah, you know, and he was. He, his career kind of was bustled up through LA, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did bit. you ever catch him? No. no. Sadly, no. Makes me. But Lover, You Should Have Come Over is probably oh, one of man. my favorite songs ever. That song breaks my heart. It's a beautiful song. But in the best way. Yeah. yeah. It's lovely. Well, Rob, I really appreciate you taking the time out. It's a cool week. It's yeah. a lot of cool people in town. It's and, really been a pleasure. And it's not Chicago in the winter. That's right. <laughs> well, I'm a little I'm a little upset about that. Yeah. This is this is very anomalous. Like it is. It's the second week of January and it's almost eighty degrees. Yeah. The summers already suck real bad here. Yeah. This if this is any harbinger of how those summers are gonna be, I do I'm going to Chicago for, for We'll just summer. switch. We'll switch back and forth. All right, that's good. Just take care of my dog and we're good. Absolutely. Get done deal? Perfect. I have a dog. They'll hang out. All right, well I'll take care of your dog. It's fine. Great. Sounds good. Robin, thanks so much for chatting. Thank you so much. Thank you. So there we have it. The amazing Robin Nance, often outspoken, great taste, representing Akintoshin, one of my favorite words to say now correctly as the brand ambassador for the U.S. is this single malt scotch. We talk about a lot of different things. Of course, another artist, right? We're all kind of artists walking around in utilitarian bodies and doing something else for a living. But this industry is an amazing Place. It is filled with amazing personalities, intelligent people that have lived such amazing lives. And Robin is just a great example of that. And I can't imagine a better person being at the forefront of making sure that women's rights are always upheld, that people are respectful behind the bar from both sides. So thanks so much for chatting with me, Robin. I can't wait to grab a great dram with you in the near future. And thanks, everybody, for listening to Show DeVe with Mike G., No matter what you think is going to happen here in the next 100 days, 
or if you think CNN is in the right to be hard asses on the new administration, please keep dancing.